Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Kato Aerts, a partner at Lydian in Belgium. On the program, we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we will be discussing an issue of growing importance for employers throughout Europe, the Employer of Record Concept, or EOR. Born out of corporate globalization and cross-border mobility, many international companies use EOR when they enter a market and start hiring staff. Joining us on the program is Daniel Hund, a partner with Atan Beiten, our member firm in Germany. Daniel will be sharing his insights about EOR for Europe and particularly the current situation in Germany. Welcome, Daniel. We are delighted having you on our program. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Hi, Cato. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling great. I'm looking forward to this podcast. Fantastic. Let's kick it off then. EOR, very interesting concept. What is it exactly and why are companies using it? Well, as you said already in your introduction, it's a legal entity companies use if they want to hire people abroad. For instance, they want to enter the market and don't have an entity there yet, and they're still hesitating whether actually to set up an entity there. So they often tend to pick an employer of record who then would be the contractual party of the employment contract who would actually handle all the payroll issues and stuff. But the employee would actually work for the company, not the employer of record. So the employer of the record would be on the record or the record employer, but the actual employer would be the company. Okay, interesting. And I'm sure lots of clients think that that is a very easy solution of not having to deal with payroll, especially if they're hiring someone for the first time. So it's a useful concept, or is it not? Well, it sounds intriguing, of course, at least at first, and it sounds very easy. Unfortunately, at least when it comes to Germany and other jurisdictions, such as Spain, for instance, it is sometimes too easy to be true, to be honest. Why is that? Companies who use the employer of record, they might violate local law because the whole concept constitutes leasing of employees under the law. That has different names in different jurisdictions. In Germany, it's called Arbeitnehmerbelastung, which basically means one company leases out an employee to another company. And the employer of record concept is actually exactly that. And the bad thing is for companies and also employer of records, actually, sometimes there are many statutory restrictions on that concept of leasing out employees. So in Germany, for example, it is already a violation if the whole relationship between the company, the employer of record, and the employee is not explicitly labeled as employee leasing, right? And to be honest, I've never experienced a case where the employer of record at the company really explicitly labeled this as employee leasing. Moreover, employees must not be leased out for more than 18 months, or there is a time restriction on that concept. And the employer of record has also to be, and the employee has also to be paid the same as other comparable employees of the company, right? So there is a kind of equal pay principle, which is not always complied with. And last but not least, the employer of record is required to have a permit to lease out employees. And well, those are a couple of restrictions that can have serious consequences. Well, I hear you, Daniel. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> At least when it comes to the law. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's exactly the same in Belgium. Clients think they found the holy grail and that is the perfect solution. But 
in many jurisdictions, there are some restrictions. That's the same for Belgium. We have a principal uh, prohibition to lend out personnel, and it's similar to what you've just described. There are some exceptions, but it's usually linked to limitations in time and permits and specific processes that need to be followed. What I hear often, and I'm sure this might be true for Germany as well, is that clients are maybe aware of the prohibition, but don't care as much because they fear or they think that the consequences aren't so serious. So my question for you is, is it a theoretical consequence that lawyers would like to discuss or is it really happening? And, and are there social audits happening? What should clients be facing when they do that? Well, of course, violating the law is never an issue if you don't get caught, right? That's for sure. And it's also true that many companies use this concept and that very often it is no issue, right? However, we do see cases, and the number is growing in practice, where issues arise. The question, and this is maybe interesting for the audience as well, is what are the consequences, right? For one, leasing out employees and leasing employees also from the company perspective without complying with the regulations I just laid out is a misdemeanor. And this is subject to significant fines. So if you get caught doing that and violating the laws, violating the restrictions I just mentioned before, there can be significant fines, and they happen. Even more importantly, under the law, the employee in question is considered an employee of the company, not the employer of record anymore, if there are violations. That's very interesting, because that means the company is then obliged to pay social security taxes. So if there is an audit when it comes to social security taxes, they're on the hook, right? And the company must also, and this is very important too, comply with relevant employment laws, such as termination protection, right? In Germany, for instance, and very many other European jurisdictions, you can't just let go employees at will. You need justifying reasons. The termination can be challenged. You end up in court, right? The employer has the full burden of persuasion as to the validity of the termination and so on. Then there is minimum wage regulation. Then there is temp work regulation. There is working time regulation. There are vacation statutes. I mean, those are exactly the reasons, those regulations, why companies pick the employer of record, okay? Because they don't want to have anything to do with that. But unfortunately, they end up having those issues if they use this concept very often. And that's actually also a case we have currently pending where the employer, um, the company who actually employs the company actually, they went to the employer of record and said, hey, let go of this person. We don't need him anymore. They terminated the guy. He's now challenging the termination, but he's not suing only the employer of record. He's also suing the company, right? And he's squeezing the company too. And now that lawyers are getting involved, that courts are getting involved, the risk that authorities become aware and that they issue fines and stuff increases, of course. And that's exactly the leverage employees use then against the company and the employer of record in order to squeeze them. And in the end, this case will only go away if they now pay a fortune to the employee because it's really bad, right? And this is maybe one in 10 cases or maybe one in 20 cases, but those cases happen. And we want our clients to be aware that there is a risk. If they are willing to take the risk, that's fine by me, actually, right? But I think they should know what they're getting into. Now, that's a very good point, Daniel. And it's exactly the same under Belgian law. Civil sanctions are maybe even harder and, and more to fear than the criminal offense as such. And what strikes me often is that these employers of records, they have websites also in Belgium where they just, they don't use the word leasing of personnel. 
But it's clear from the website that they are doing that. And what we see is that courts tend to look at the websites as well when they judge a case. So I totally agree with you. It's a matter of knowing for clients so that they know what they're getting into. So what should companies do then instead if they want to employ someone abroad without setting up a legal entity there? Well, the good news is you don't need a legal entity typically to actually hire an employee in a different country. You can use your entity you have at home, but one should typically use then a local employment contract. So for instance, if a company wants to send an employee from the UK, from France to Germany, they would actually give the employee a German local employment contract under German law, but the entity in France or the UK or wherever would be the employer, right? Of course, there's still then the issue of payroll, which is, of course, a pain for many international companies, but there are ways that can actually work in favor of the company. For instance, if you use a payroll provider, which is very easy, and if you don't know anybody, ask your lawyer or ask the ELA or go to a lawyer in this country you want to hire an employee, and then they will typically recommend you a payroll agency who is actually completely familiar with those issues and can handle payroll issues, right? That would be the easiest concept. Of course, as an alternative, one could use an employer of record, but only if then the relevant regulations are complied with, meaning it has then in Germany, for instance, to be labeled as employee or personnel leasing, as you call it. There has to be a permit for the employer of record. There's a time restriction, equal pay must be complied with, and so on. If that's happening, and if that's doable as a matter of practice, then also employer of record can be a choice, right? The problem in practice is that, as you said, most employer of record, they don't mention this, and their whole business model is not actually designed to comply with the leasing of personnel regulations. So this can become a problem in practice, but in theory, one can use an employer of record also without legal risk if there is compliance with the law. Yeah, and I take away from that is contact your lawyer, Daniel. I think that's always good advice, right? Talk to the exactly. lawyer. <laughs> There's a saying, you should fix your roof when the sun is still shining so that you don't have to do it in the pouring rain, which I think makes sense here as well, if they know it in advance. I like that. In German, we sometimes say, yeah, good legal advice is expensive, but bad legal advice or no legal advice is even more expensive, right? So <laughs> it sometimes makes sense to invest a couple of bucks in good lawyers, actually. Exactly. You mentioned that payroll for foreign companies is, is a pain. And that's true. There are a lot of concerns there. But what I often hear is concerns around taxes as well, not only income taxes for the employee, but corporate taxes. Is the concept that you describe a good way to avoid also a permanent establishment in order to not pay taxes abroad? That's a great question, Kato. And you're right. That's typically the major concern for companies doing business abroad, that if they hire an employee there under local contract, that they create a so-called permanent establishment in the sense of the local tax laws. And I'm not a tax lawyer, as you know, I'm an employment lawyer, but I have some experience with this meanwhile. And honestly speaking, neither using an employer record nor doing it the right way by a local employment contract can protect you from establishing a permanent establishment in the sense of the tax law. Yet it can be typically avoided if the employee in question does not sign any contracts with third parties, does not initiate deals with third parties. This is challenging, of course, right? Uh, especially in terms of sales reps. I mean, if you hire a sales rep for a certain jurisdiction for a certain country, you want him or her 
to do business, to actually maybe sign or initiate contracts, right? It can be a challenge there. It's easier with people who remain a part of the local operation at home and who just want to work abroad, for instance, for personal reasons, which we see a lot quite lately. And this being said, every individual case should be discussed with the local tax council, of course, goes without saying. But the thing is, neither concept will for certain protect you from that. Different criteria apply and are to be complied with. And this is the biggest challenge typically in such situations. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. This is all the time that we have today, but it's been very, very interesting. And it's good, I think, that our clients heard about the employer of record concept and especially helpful, I would say, for lawyers and employers throughout Europe. Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Kato. Pleasure was all mine and hope to hear and see you soon. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I hope this program has been as insightful for you as it has been for me. I'm also pleased to announce to our audience that Daniel Hund will be joining the ELA team of podcast moderators. So you will hear him hosting our ELA podcast for Europe in the very near future. If you would like to connect with Daniel, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.